You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, it's jolly lovely to be doing a silly voice and joining you on the Bridechiller Podcast. This is episode 359, a Q&A episode, one of my favourites because I get to listen to your lovely accents and voices and just poke and snoop into your lives, which is delightful. And also, might I add, hopefully provide some sort of reassurance or advice that helps you or makes you go, no, Alicia, you're wrong. But thanks for the effort anyway. Lots of energy early in the episode. Let's see if I can maintain that. There is a theme of today's episode, not on purpose, by the way. It just happens that you've sent me a bunch of questions, well, at least a few that I'm featuring today, around the topic of parental contributions. This is always one that, well, that seems to come just after Christmas, New Year period, when we get a bunch of new listeners and then parents start to say, hey, I might give you some money for your wedding, and then all shit breaks loose. Before I get into the questions, I just want to thank my lovely, lovely listeners who take the time to either leave reviews if you purchase a book. I really appreciate you leaving reviews, especially if you are purchasing Bride Chiller Guides on Amazon. Hurrah for Amazon. We are now fulfilled by Amazon, which means you can buy the Bride Chiller Guides and the Maid Chiller Manual and hopefully in the coming weeks, the Oh Shit Kit all on Amazon Prime in the States and the UK. Australia, it's coming. It's coming. It's a slow process. Amazon is complicated. I put my big girl fucking business boots on, but it's still hard work. We're all trying. Anyway, just take a breath, Alicia. Take I wanted to ask if you have purchased already on Amazon, please, could you pop on and leave me a review? It would really be helpful because Amazon is a fucking hardcore place to sell something, especially when you're not associated with a big company that really uh, works hard to get reviews. We've got to work hard ourselves. So thanks. First question is an email question today. comes from Holly. She says, Alicia, my name is Holly. I've just said that. Sorry, Holly. I'm 23 and from the USA. My fiancé and I are getting, we just got engaged, sorry, in Iceland a few weeks ago. (whistles) Bad whistling. What the actual fuck? Iceland, she says. God, I love Iceland. If you've never been and you're thinking about going, just go. That's me saying that, not Holly, but it sounds like she had a good time. Uh, She says, and have just begun to think about wedding planning. I absolutely love your podcast. I found it a few weeks ago after getting engaged and truly enjoy the no fluff, no bullshit attitude. Good. Thank you, Holly. My question for you is in regards to family drama. My mum and my fiance's parents are kindly paying for our wedding. I don't speak with my dad but still have contact with my dad's parents' cousins on his side. However, my mum despises my father's family, as my dad's parents have made her feel very uncomfortable and have done some hurtful things towards her in the past. Oh, boo. And would prefer, she would prefer, that they don't come to the wedding at all. My brother also does not speak to my dad's side of the family. My fiancé and I would feel like complete shit not inviting my dad's parents to our wedding. On the other hand, my mum is my best friend and the priority for me is for her to be relaxed and comfortable on our wedding day. I don't want to completely destroy my relationship with my dad's side of the family, although I'm not very close with them, but I don't want to have dramas at my wedding. What is a bride chiller to do? 
oh, Holly, this sucks and this is a conundrum and I wish I had magic answers that I could just pull out of my ass and just give to you to fix this. But I will just say a couple of things. Of course, this is only advice. You need to follow your heart, your gut, your instinct, and most importantly, have a really good chat with your partner. And then maybe explore the options about having a conversation with your mum. Reading, reading, as I just did, into your situation, it seems that it is all coming back to your mum's feelings about your dad's family, which it sounds like it's totally warranted. Sounds like they had a really bad time, as in their relationship wasn't good. She came out of it feeling quite hurt, and you are sort of estranged from your father's side of the family, and you don't talk to your dad. So really, it comes down to, as you said, avoiding drama, avoiding any sort of ill feelings on the day, but also making everyone feel uh, invited and inclusive, which is really tricky. And I know lots of people listening will be having similar situations where one part of the family doesn't get along with someone else or someone else sort of falling out 20 years ago and it's fucked, but then you want to invite them, but then they're angry or they don't want to come. All these things can happen. But when it comes back to it, it's your day and it's absolutely your decision who you wish to involve in it and who you wish to invite to share your celebration. I mentioned chatting to your mum. I think this is a really important step in the decision-making process that you sit with your mum and say, look, here is what I'm struggling with. I have this guilt of not inviting my dad's parents, your grandparents. What do you, Let's talk about how you really feel about this. I know you've got issues with them. Is this something that you can not necessarily put aside, not to take away from her feelings, but say that you can pause or just at least bury a little bit for the day so they can come and celebrate? She doesn't have to have anything to do with them. Or is this a deal breaker for her? If you have that conversation with her, I feel like you could maybe get some answers and really judge how she feels. If it's a complete no-go, then I think you need to have a conversation with your grandparents and just say that there is some ill will, there is some, not ill will, that sounds that sounds motivated. There is just some vibes and that you appreciate them. <laughs> I was going to say love them. I don't want to say that you love them if you don't love them, no judgment. But then that you perhaps would like to come and have a celebratory meal with them at another time. There are always solutions But really, as I will say over and over again, it's about having the uncomfortable conversations. It's about really getting to the crux of things and deciding what's good for you, not necessarily just what's good for everyone else. I know that your mum and you are BFFs and that's fabulous, but also she can't make all the decisions for you. This is your decision, Holly. Was that helpful or was that rambly? Probably a bit of both. Bride, chiller, helpful and rambly. That's what we do here. We as in I. Hey Alicia, my name's Kate and I'm calling from Nebraska. Um, I'm getting married in October um, and I have loved listening to your podcast. I have an hour commute each way to work and so I feel like I have gotten to know you quite well uh, with two hours of listening every day. Um, I just finished listening to the Feminist Wedding podcast and wanted to ask you a little bit more about your decision to keep Uh, both your last name and Rich's. Um, I am definitely a feminist and have been really struggling with what to do with my own last name for my wedding in October. Um, And I have decided I'm either going to keep both mine and take my partner's or just keep my maiden name. Um, But it's it's been a real struggle just like weighing my feminism and, and personal identity with 
what's best for, you know, my, my future family and um, wanting to really embrace this new family that I'll be starting when I get married. So I would love any insight you have or just to hear sort of your own thought process in making that decision and also to hear from other listeners if they have um, gone through a similar debate. Um, So thanks for all that you do and I'll look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Kate, thank you. Very interesting talking point, the old name changing. And I'm glad you enjoyed that episode with The Feminist Bride. I loved having her on the show and she provided so many new insights into the traditions that were behind wedding planning. And these traditions that we use over and over again and we never question what the hell they mean. Even coming back to the cake, I know I've said this before, but it really floored me that the idea behind a wedding cake when you look way way back as to why we do it it's a fertility symbol and also it's connected to the breaking of the hymen (gasps) hymen cake not as sexy as the ones we pin on instagram and reshare so yes look that episode was an eye-opener to me but also i loved it and i love the feedback that i'm still getting as you know because I really feel like this podcast is about empowering you to make decisions that work for you, not only in your wedding planning, but also extending into your the rest of your life and also questioning why we do things because a lot of us, you know, go about our daily lives sort of quite blinkered. And then when we stop or we're given information, you go, oh, actually, I wouldn't be doing this if I knew blah, 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 blah. So when it comes to the name change, and you make a point that I have the best of both worlds and I feel a little torn and I know in that interview I was sort of I probably didn't express exactly how I was feeling uh, because I didn't want to seem like a dick but I was I to be honest I was so looking forward to becoming a Maddock that's my maiden my married name Alicia Maddock Richard Maddock and I use that it's my legal name so I changed my name And I remember at the time, my agent in Australia said, if you change your name, it will be bad. People don't know who you are. You're not a huge star. But I was well enough known, uh, known well enough, got that backwards, that if you change the name, people are ridiculously stupid, especially people that hire you. Uh, I'm talking about not, not, not everyday, not everyday people. Gosh. I'm talking about TV executives and all those crew that my agent went, look, you should keep the name. Also, it gives you an element of privacy, as I've just said my other name now. So there you go. No privacy. But it gives you an element of privacy. You can trade under this name and use it as your professional name. And then you can go about your business and use your other name. As I said, I'm not Jennifer Aniston. People aren't bothering me. But it was sort of nice to have two and also keep McCormack because I feel like I'm always going to be a McCormack. So that was my decision-making process. I'm not saying that you can't have a similar decision-making process just because you're not in the entertainment industry. But for me, that worked really well because selfishly, I wanted to keep my other name. But I also really wanted to be a part of our new family. That's Rich and I creating this together. Rich had no, and I wish he was here to talk about this. He had no opinion about it. Well, he was just like, you do whatever you want to do. You're going to be my wife, whether you have uh, the same name or not. So he, he didn't really chime in in any, in any way. Meaning he certainly didn't say, well, if you don't change your name, then I don't feel like we're married properly. I mean, that's just, you know, you know, Rich, certainly not, you know, Rich, 
you know, my husband, he's on enough. He's certainly not that sort of bloke. And I don't think that you should feel pressure to change your name from any perspective. It should be a personal decision. So I, I don't know if that's been helpful. I just wanted to talk you through my thought process, but I certainly wouldn't have felt less married if I hadn't changed my name. I have so many girlfriends who haven't gone through the name changing process, who have no interest in changing their name and are just as married as the rest of us and love their husbands and wives just as much as everyone else. I've also got friends who went into the hyphenated name. I've got friends, we have friends who have changed both of their names. Um, I've got lovely gay friends who have gone and done, uh, who have, ch- have reversed. I mean, I always love that question of saying to gay couples, um, you know, whose name are you choosing? Because obviously in the straighty 180 heterosexual world, it's the tradition is you change your name to the man's name. But I think the freedoms and what I love about the same sex community is sort of them going, listen, we're going to create our own traditions, you know, leave us be. And that makes my heart sore because they are, if you can, if we talk about traditions and we talk about ditching things that aren't meaningful for you, I look at so many same sex unions, weddings and events, and just seeing how uh, the same sex community have been changing things and making things work for what they want and sort of just shaking off some of these traditions that don't have meaning or molding them to work for them. And I think we should all be doing that a lot more. So I do think, Katie, you need to look at what your... I want to go look into your heart. That sounds silly, but just feel your gut. What What is it saying? What Do you feel obliged to change your name? Do you feel like this is a process that you're really excited about? I had so many people on Instagram when I put the question up first going, I can't wait to change my name. I feel like it means that we'll be more of a team People create and place different symbolism uh, on on certain things. So I think it's a matter of what's important to you. And I don't think you should feel obliged to do it. I don't think you should feel that you have to do it because everyone else is doing it. I think you should have a discussion with your partner and say, what, what sh- you know, not what should I do? Because I think this is your decision as a woman. But also just to say, let's talk about it and see what happens. Hi, Alicia. Um, my name's Catherine, and I'm leaving you a voice note all the way from South Africa. I listen to your podcast religiously during work hours. It's the only thing that helps me through the day sometimes when people are making me grumpy and I just want to swear at them. So hearing you swear through your podcasts helps me relieve a little bit of that tension. Catherine, I have to interrupt and say thank you for letting me know where you listen, and I'm glad that I am helping your workday go quicker and that my swears are cathartic for you. I do like to swear, as we all know. Fuck yeah. I have two questions that I hope that you can help me with. Uh, The first being is my fiancé and I have been engaged for about eight months now and we're getting married next May. And um, we are hoping that our parents will help us out a little bit financially. But the difficult thing is how do you go about asking your parents to pay for things for the wedding um they haven't really committed to anything yet um my mom says yes she has to do some maths and she'll get back to me but she hasn't given me a concrete number yet and it's a little bit stressful not knowing who you can rely on or you know where 
extra money is going to come in. So if you can help me with that, how do you tell your mom to cough up <laughs> and give you some cash? Uh, that would be great. This is a really interesting question, Catherine, and I think it's lovely that you, uh, it's probably in a similar way to South Africans and Australians, you just come out and say it. And I do appreciate that. One thing that comes to mind when you are discussing money with your parents, of course, everyone's situations and money stories. And uh, when I say money stories, this comes from a, a, a lovely interviewee I've had on the show now, uh, Ginger from girlsjustwantohavefuns.com. She's a wonderful financial advisor person. She's also really good at talking about money and I've learned so much from her. But she talks about our money stories and about what we've learned from our parents and then what we take into relationships and how we talk about money all comes from our upbringing. So it's a good question that you're asking, Catherine, about how to talk to your parents about cash and really, I'm going to be a bit of a cop-out in one way, but to say that you know how your parents talk about money. So I think this is how you should broach the subject, sort of knowing what their, uh, what their vibes are like when it comes to talking about cash. Are they open? Are they very closed, closed doors when they're coming to the, the idea about talking about money and how much they're going to spend I think it is important that you get it out in the open, especially if perhaps they're not going to contribute or if they are only like your mum sort of saying, yeah, I have to do my budgets. Maybe it's good to be polite, but also pushy in the sense to say, listen, we've got a bit of a bit of a time frame here. We need to be putting deposits down and also just figuring out what's realistic when it comes to how much money we're going to be spending overall. And I think it's probably maybe this is a bit cheeky of me, but to call their bluff in a way and just say, look, we are perfectly comfortable if you're not going to contribute, which you may or not be perfectly comfortable, but maybe this is one way to flush them out a little bit. But just to say, we are trying to sort of lock some stuff in and we really want to make sure we have a long enough time to work out a budget if you aren't going to contribute and how we would just like to be able to have a discussion about where we all stand. So there's no pressure to not, you know, have information. There's no pressure for them to actually contribute, but for you to actually know where you are and what they will possibly be contributing or not be contributing will make it much easier for you. So yeah, it's uncomfortable to have these conversations and I totally get your, uh, well, your point of view by saying, look, I don't want to push them. I'm grateful that they're even suggesting that they might want to contribute, but we really need to know. So I think it's important for you just to trust your uh, gut when it comes to how to approach them. But I don't think it's unreasonable for you just to say, listen, can we sit down and have a conversation? It would really mean a lot to me just to get it out in the open so we know where we all stand. And I think they might be relieved too, because maybe they're worried about what they you're expecting of them. Again, I know my biggest advice to everyone is always, look, it sucks to be uncomfortable and sometimes it's annoying to have to be open and we've all got history with how we speak to our parents and how they speak to us. But this might be a really good chance for you to have this sort of conversation and get it out there and uh, learn where you stand because there's nothing worse than sort of being unsure in these situations, especially about cash and how much money you have to spend on things. And once you know that figure then you can go out and make big decisions. And uh, if they're not going to contribute, fine, you will come up with a solution. But if they are, it'd be really nice for you, obviously, to know what you're going to do with that money. So I say, Catherine, 
to answer your first question, because I know there's another one coming, I think you just need to uh, put them on the spot a little bit. And also maybe, as I said, call their bluff and just say, we're comfortable paying it for ourselves. But it'd be great to know if you are going to contribute, how how much you're going to contribute and when that's going to happen. Always orcs. No easy way to do it, I'm sorry to say. And then the second thing, I was listening to your podcast recently about um, getting dresses online from Still White and those sort of places. Um, I know Still White operates here in South Africa, which is amazing. I'm happy that there's a company like that in my area because a lot of the places are that you mentioned are in America and in the UK. So it's it's nice to have something like that here. But I'm a little bit concerned as to how reliable they are. Um, I don't know if if you have any more information on that. Is there strict like policies that people go through or if you're not satisfied um how do you go back about um making sure that you don't buy a dud off the internet because there's a lot of that sort of stuff and I don't want to get caught up in in that whole trap of buying a dress I need to find out that it's not what it was advertised so if you could answer those questions would be really great um and keep up the good work and I look forward to hearing your podcast soon bye Catherine, this is an ace question because, of course, when you're buying anything online, we're still a little hesitant. I totally get that. And especially when you're buying something as significant as a wedding dress, you want to make sure that the seller is legit, that you are going to get what you want. And if you don't get what you want, that you can get your money back or have something resolved. And it's a great point that you make when it comes to who to trust and who to get the best information from. Now, Still White is one of the, I would say, many uh, places that you can buy and sell used wedding dresses. And used, I always think it's like it's not the sexiest way for me to describe this, pre-loved, pre-owned, pre-worn wedding dresses. Now, the feedback that I have received about Still White is that, well, they trade in a bunch of countries. So as you said, Catherine, I often talk about US and UK and Australian related wedding supplies. And I apologize about that because I know I have people in Japan. I have people in Mexico. Hello. And uh, lots of European listeners. And I'm so sorry that I can't always name specific brands that will work for your country, but I really try and keep this podcast as global as international as possible. Because, you know, I'm an Aussie sitting in London broadcasting internationally and it's delightful when I receive a message like yours, Catherine, saying, hi, I'm in South Africa. I haven't received a voicemail from South Africa before. So it really floats my boat. However, it's great when you suggest websites that work for you. And I love to share them with you. Uh, But I know that a lot of people have questions about when they're buying and selling things for their wedding um, online and secondhand stuff about the legitimacy of it. I know I've spoken before about buying things that, you know, like my dad's saying, which is not his saying, but it's a very dad saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, that if you are on a website and you're finding a gown that's normally two grand and you're finding it for 250 bucks, it's probably counterfeit and it's probably been made by kids in some sort of shitty, awful hellhole. So, you know, you've got to think about uh, what is what's happening when you're getting crazy bargains but also it's good to be thinking about your you know the trust of different websites that you're on so look in brief i will just say i've been on the still white website and they are saying that they basically are offering paypal buyer protection which is something that a lot of websites do 
have. And that means that basically if you make a purchase via their website using PayPal, which you know a majority of us would have a PayPal account, that they will basically cover $20,000 um, US per item for if, you know, for example, if the dress or item doesn't arrive, if it's counterfeit, if it's damaged, if you've got something that you want to complain about, you can put in a claim and they will cover it. So to me, that's one specific sort of detail that I'd be looking for, whether you're using Still White or another website to buy things for your wedding, that you just make sure that you read the small print. So often, and I know we've talked about this before, I'm really bad that if a contract pops up, I just click the yes button just to fuck it off. But honestly, sometimes it's really worth just having a bit of a solid scan, especially if you're spending, you know, anything more than 10 bucks, that you know what where you stand when it comes to returning things or when it comes, comes to like covering your body uh, and getting your money back if it's not what you are after. Catherine, thank you so much for your gorgeous email. Hello, South Africa. Oh, so warm, so nice. And your accent's similar to ours, but different. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I mean, ours is in Australians. A lot of people ask me, are you South African? And I'm like, no, I'm Australian. It's different. But we hear the differences. Maybe you don't. All right. A short break. Hi, Alicia. This is Anne in New York. Um, sometimes we tweet at each other. When you like, like something I tweet, it like makes my day. Anyway... Um, I need some advice. So my fiance and I got engaged um, about a month and a half ago, which was super awesome and exciting. And um, I was probably like the most excited bride you've ever met, like borderline shut up. And but um, I just loved it. I went out the day after we got engaged and I bought, you know, the huge like wedding planning book. And all I wanted to do was like skip around and go on Pinterest and plan things. Like I'm a planner. I do it, um, for part of my job. And it's just like, I, I just love a good spreadsheet. And I had like 12 spreadsheets going anyway. So we live in New York now, but we're originally from Southern California and we were, um, going home for about a week to go for some family events. And we were like, well, we just got engaged. We might as well set up some venue tours. And so we spent like hours looking through venues and we ended up setting up like eight different venue appointments. Um, and so my parents were super excited. We got engaged. They love my fiance and they were like jumped in and they were like, Hey, we're going to definitely help you guys pay for this wedding. Like we're so excited. You guys are getting married. Um, we were like, great. That's super cool of you guys. Like we really appreciate it. I have to interrupt now. I'm sorry. Who feels a massive butt coming along? I'm just waiting to see where this is going. Because this all sounds like it's going smoothly. I'm wondering what the question is. Maybe it's just a statement. I don't know. But I have a feeling there might be doom and gloom. I don't know. Let's listen. So we go to all of these venue tours and we really wanted something like with a barn, like, yeah, like that wedding, but like better, not like cookie cutter. Um, I wanted to like make the centerpieces with my maid of honor. And we found this beautiful venue that was, um, you not too far from our house and had this gorgeous barn and they rented it to you for the whole weekend. So we could like go and set up the day before and then have the rehearsal dinner there and like chill. And I was like, that's a great way to keep costs down. And, um, we were going to do food trucks and all this stuff. Anyway, so we go and we tour all these venues and we're really excited. We're like, hey, we're ready to book this one. We think it's great. And then my parents sat us down and things got ugly. And they basically were like, I can't believe you want to spend all this money on your wedding. Even though it really, I was really trying so hard to keep costs down. And they were like, 
you know, we just don't think this is a good idea. Why can't you guys just do something small in our backyard? You can just wear mom's dress. And it, it, you know, they just sort of attacked our style of life and told us that by planning a wedding, we were like putting the wedding before our marriage, which just was not true. And um, it just ended up being like a very hurtful trip. And, you know, my mom told me that no one was going to want to come to our wedding if it was more than half an hour away. Like it was just like we were sort of an inconvenience and um, and a bother, basically. So we left very sad. I, I cried a lot on the flight home. Let's be real. Back to New York. Um, and so we sort of debated just eloping. We, we debated doing like a city hall wedding. We, you know, we've sort of thought through it all. We were like, well, you know, maybe we'll just put it off for two or three years and save up and um, and do it ourselves and, you know, get our dream venue, which at this point, I think would cause more harm than good. Like, yeah, it would be great for us, but I think it would be a lot of family drama and just make it a really unpleasant experience. So we're sort of starting from square one now, and we're sort of really sad about it. Um, I mean, everything's going to work out, and it's one of those things where it's like the marriage is first. I get my dream guy, which is the whole point of the wedding. Um, but I do want to do something nice and so does my fiance. And, um, so we're just sort of struggling with reminding ourselves that our, our wedding is important, I guess, that our relationship is important and, um, sort of just disenchanted with the whole planning process right now. Like it's really hard to want to sit down and talk about anything because we're just so like over it, I guess. Um, so if you had any advice for me, I would really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it would be great to hear from you. Um, thanks a lot. What you do is awesome. Um, you're great. And I hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, and firstly, God, do I love all the New York noises in the background, all the and the people going, where do I go? Um, look, I think firstly, how delightful the first part of the message I was so in your little world of happiness of getting the engagement thing happening and buying the magazines and the folders and we all were on that journey with you and we could feel the joy and excitement and I'm so annoyed that your parents have shat on that like literally have come along and gone no we don't like it and you were you know on that high and then they bring you down there is nothing worse than being on a high and someone raining on your parade seriously so annoying and I would like to have a secret squirrel word with your parents and go listen probably that was probably a little harsh probably could have communicated whatever you wanted to communicate in a way that wasn't as hurtful and your daughter was feeling happy let her have the happiness before you come in with your parental advice that's not always needed now I understand if they were going to contribute to the wedding that they can have an opinion I am really new school on this sort of thing that if parents are contributing that yes invite them along for opinions and invite them to be part of it but doesn't mean that they automatically buy a controlling decision in your wedding I know there are a bunch of planners and bloggers who listen to this who are probably shaking their heads right now and going oh Alicia that is not the etiquette especially in America I know there are different rules but I do think that no matter what you are the ones getting hitched not them and I've made advice uh, I've made advice I've given advice in the past where I've just said to people fine go to the parents and say I'm sorry that's not what we want so thanks but no thanks we won't accept your money and more often than not the parents have come back and gone no accept the money okay sorry we get it that's not for everyone 
and not all parents will play that bluff. I'm going to be, I'm going to warn you. <laughs> there have been responses that have said, yep, yeah, we pulled. We said we wanted to pull out of the wedding we planned or we want to add more details and our parents took the cash away. Fine. You will move on. You will make decisions. However, it's strange that parents, it's strange that parents react this way. I know that most parental advice comes from a place of love. I think when it comes to getting advice from your mum and dad, you sometimes, I know in my experience, my dad can be a little vague and then he can come out with quite brutal statements that I'm like, where did that come from? And he's been, you know, it's been simmering. And sometimes, you know, with him, you'll, you'll say something that I think you don't, oh, I don't think you have any opinion at all. You don't really care. Or then he'll come out with something quite strong. And I'm like, oh, oh, all right. Well, but because you're their kid, they feel like they can be quite, you know, well, brutal was the only way I can say it. They just come out and say it. And you're like, fuck, at least pat it out, mate. Give it a bit of a break. So when your parents had this discussion with you, I'm sure they didn't think that they were going to break your heart and make you fly home and cry all the way on the plane. That's a long lot of crying, by the way. And that is really disappointing that the way that they communicated that upset you so much. My advice to you is to pause, is to take some breaths, is to not run into any sort of decisions or not decisions, and really think about going back to square one about what you want. Now, it's really hard to block out something. If you've seen a venue and you've come up with this plan for the day that they have then, you know, as I said, just crapped all over. Perhaps going back to that venue is not an option for you for the sake that it is marred by these dirty vibes and also the cash is a problem if they're not going to help with that and they're worried about you, uh, you know, pissing your life away with spending too much money on a wedding. I've just said shat on your day and pissing your life away. I've used two toilet references in a wedding podcast. This is why you listen to me, people. That's what happens. Bride chillers, groom chillers. Sorry. So my advice to you is to just pause, is to take some breaths, to go back and make a list about what you find valuable, what your partner finds valuable, what you want out of the day. And if that is going to a gorgeous barn in California, then I think then you should reassess that and make it happen with or without your parents' contribution. Maybe that is not the barn. Maybe there is a smaller, cheaper barn that you can do yourself. I totally get that parents, when they start, and I know we, we've all gone through that, when they start to get quotes and you start to get involved in wedding planning and you're like, jeepers, creepers, they want how much for what? You Is that for the whole wedding? Oh, it's just for the, what? Just for the catering? Are you kidding me? When parents start to realize how much weddings actually cost. We're not in the 70s or 80s anymore. We're in the 2000s, guys. So I think their reaction may have been going, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is going on? Why, oh why, are weddings costing this much? So my feeling is their reaction was more going, well, they could spend that money in a much better way. And that, that's why I think it's from care. It's probably also just trying to shield their shock of how bloody expensive it is to plan a wedding. Now, clearly, Anne, you're a bride chiller. I know it. I've seen your tweets. I've liked your tweets. I've gotten involved. You're an awesome gal. And I know that you can handle this. I know that there are lots of bride chillers and groom chillers listening who have probably gone through the same situation, which is why 
I am asking for your feedback, lovely listeners. We would like to hear from you. I know Anne would like to hear from you. Have you been in a similar situation? Do you have advice? Do you have parents that have said, we'll give you money, but don't know about this. How do you battle that situation? Your advice, my bride chillers and groom chillers, is always welcome and is always wonderful to share on the show, especially in a parental situation because we've all got different weirdo parents. Let's be honest. If you say your parents are normal, then we probably come along and go, no, they're not. They're weird. We've all got our own weirdo parents. We love them, some of them, but, you know, steady on, guys. Just steady on. So, and it's not all over, Rover. You just need to let it happen. There's no rush, but I do think it's important to rezone, retool, come back to what is important to both of you. And whether that is eloping, I think that eloping is a great idea, but I don't know if the eloping statement was just a reaction to go, oh, well, bugger them, we're going, forget it. You're not even going to get a wedding. Which is not where the eloping, well, maybe it is, but I feel like eloping should be done when you genuinely want to go somewhere and get hitched, not just reaction to go, fuck you, parents. We're getting on a boat. We're going somewhere else. (sighs) And you're fabulous. And I'm so happy to have you as a Bride Chiller listener. And I know that we're going to come up with a solution together. Keep listening to the show. Keep commenting. Keep planning. Keep scrapbooking. Don't you lose that little gorgeous spark that we had at the beginning. And I'm sorry that you cried on the plane. Although I did read that apparently altitude makes you cry more that's why when we watch crappy music movies on the plane you have a bit of a cry and trust me doing big long long flight you know from london to australia i watch a lot of shitty films and i rarely cry in real life but i cry on the plane fact there it is if you have a question that you would like included possibly in an upcoming Bride Chiller Q&A. All you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com and just follow the prompts. You'll find it. I don't need to talk you through a website. You're all very intelligent people. I promise that I read all emails and I really try and get back to everyone, but I'm a one lady band and I really do try and get back to everyone, but I promise I read all of the emails. I've got a folder that's called Bride Chiller Q&A and I add you to the folder and then I am slowly getting through all of them, but I do love receiving voice messages especially as you've heard today I get to talk back to you and hear your lovely voices so do send through lovely voice messages very happy to be sharing this time with you thank you for listening and enjoying hopefully bride chiller if you are enjoying tell your friends leave me an itunes review and as I said earlier if you buy online whether that's through our website or amazon I would dearly love for you to leave a review it means the world to us and helps spread the bride chiller word to all these new people who are like what's bride chiller is that worth investing in should I give them any money should I download the show I don't know so many accents I love you all and until next episode happy days The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014. I am so proud to present the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, our very own wedding planning guide that is available now at bridechillerstore.com. From dealing with wedding donors, that's parents who give you money, to ditching obligation guests and meaningless details. So long, garters and bloody gift bags. 
The Bridechiller Survival Guide will free you of wed stress and the quest for perfection, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Visit bridechillerstore.com to grab your copy and the companion book, The Bridechiller Field Guide. Happy days.